welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome back to the Proper Mental Podcast. This is episode 66. And my guest this week is Joseph Bates, who is the co-founder and CEO of Halen, which is an app that is working to change how people view mental health and well-being. Halen is actually the old English word for hero. And the app introduces you to various therapists and coaches and clinically trained experts that can help you to work on all different aspects of mental health, mental well-being and mental fitness. And the idea for the app comes from Joe's own experiences of mental ill health. And it's a really fascinating story. It starts when he was very young with the loss of his father. And we talk about that in the podcast. We talk about grief and we talk about loss and we talk about learning to, to deal with the emotions that come with that. Joe's story then takes him to the military and some time in Afghanistan with the UK Special Forces. Now, obviously, there's only so much he can say about that, but we do talk about mental health in the military and being in the hyper-masculine environment of a war zone. And then we follow Joe back, back to the UK, working in a, a very fast-paced job in the city. And it was then when his emotions started to catch up with him and he started to struggle with his mental health. And then we chat about how he got himself back on his feet and the part that therapy and coaching played in that process, which is kind of where the idea for Halen was originally planted. It's a lovely conversation. Joe is a lovely, lovely bloke. We just started chatting really. And there's at times I think we've both forgot we were on a mental health podcast and we do chat about anything and everything, but it's really, really nice. And it was lovely to meet him. I've had a little play around on the app myself. We talk about that in the episode and I do think it's really cool. It's very slick and I really like what they're trying to do. It can be really confusing when you're trying to find a new therapist or find a coach to work with. There's just so many and everyone markets in different ways and not everyone gives you the sort of information you feel you need before you can commit to the process of working with them. And I really like how Halen kind of cuts through all that stuff. And it was great to just kind of chat about the ideas behind it and, and dig into Joe's story. And yeah, we chat about grief. We talk about finding a therapist and the therapy process, mental health in the military. We talk about setting goals, mental fitness, and there's all sorts in there. You know, I always think someone with a military background, particularly in the special forces like Joe, I think we can just learn so much from like the military mindset. And um, so, yeah, it was fantastic to pick Joe's brains and, and learn about a few of those things. You can download Halen on all the usual app places. It's free to download. You just log in and have a look around. If you would like to learn more about the app and some of the things behind it and how it all works, you can go to www.halenstrength.com. If you'd like to catch up with me, propermentalpodcast.com or at propermentalpodcast on social media. And if you could take two minutes to like, subscribe, tell your sister's mate, tell your dad's best friend, tell little Beppe and the butchers. That'll make a lot more sense when you listen to this episode. But all shares and reviews are very much appreciated. Anyway, this is episode 66 of the Proper Mental Podcast with Joseph Bates. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy.
So here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest this week is Joseph Bates. How are you, mate? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, mate, thank you for coming on. I really, um, really appreciate your time. It's uh, it's great to meet you. How's things with you? Are you yeah. well? Yeah, really well. Um, busy with the company, busy with busy with social lives. I think things are just starting to come back to normal, aren't they? Ish. Um, albeit some of the political news that we're all seeing at the moment, but um. Yeah, it's um, it's good. I think everyone's waiting for spring to start. I'm seeing a few daffodils. You know, it's, it's it feels like it's starting. Come on, good weather. Remember that first lockdown? Yeah, yeah. Nice that first lockdown was. <laughs> oh my god, I just lived on the grill. I was working with my Mac, and I was just like frying steaks and grilling steaks at the same time. It was epic. So bring that back. Yeah, very much. Isn't it weird? Like when all that happened at the time, you know, at, at first there was the initial like couple of weeks of just anxiety and worry about it. And then, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah and then like you say, you know, like I was lucky enough to have quite a nice experience. You know, I just sat doing coloring in with my kids for six months. Same, or whatever yeah. homeschooling. <laughs> my, my homeschooling was like blowing up um, very cheap inflatable pools that he kept bursting and breaking. That was basically <laughs> my, basically like pool parties. And then funny enough, funny enough, the novelty, they get very mucky very quickly. The novelty wears off, but no, it was, you know, we live, we live out in the country, me and my partner down in, near West Sussex. So we, again, we were very fortunate, you know, lots of people weren't that fortunate to have space, but you know, we've got horses and um, um, it's proper like country living. So yeah, it was it was epic. You know, that first lockdown for us was epic. The second one sucked balls, but the first one was good. <laughs> yeah, like I said, the, the novelty, uh, the novelty was up pretty pretty yeah. quick, mate. Yeah, there. But where are you from originally, Joe? Where are you? Um... So born in born born in Tunbridge Wells, Royal Tunbridge Wells, good old Tunbridge Wells. Haven't been back there since, and then moved like when I was basically a baby down to Devon, and then grew up like up on Dartmoor, up on the rolling hills of Dartmoor. Right. Um, so um yeah i loved it i love where i grew up like proper proper devonshire like village you know like five pubs like no houses five pubs post office that's it that was it you know um and like martial law no police like <laughs> the farmers and the, the, honestly oh it just cracks me up thinking about it but um um yeah it's beautiful mate it's beautiful and i go and i every time i go back there it's like going back not going back in time in terms of like it hasn't developed but it's like everyone is so friendly and it's such a community in those like small villages yeah you know, it's really yeah cool. no i know that i've just as we record this just last night i got back from wales and um so my farm from wales that's where my family live and it's a very remote area like really small area and, and my wife she grew up where i am now which is near liverpool so she's a bit more used to like the city life and she can't get over it when we're at home you know it's just really normal for people to like just say hello to strangers and you and know there's you know like what, that i've Exactly. I've, I've lived in so many places and I think we're kind of going to from when I like I've, tra- I've been in so many places. Number one, like the military bit. I traveled a lot, obviously, doing that. But, I mean, you're less nice places. I wouldn't recommend going on holiday to some of those some of those areas. <laughs> well, yeah. adventurous you are. But, well, yeah. um, you know, but, but then but just personally, I've lived in Liverpool. I've lived in Hong Kong, Sydney, Middle East. I've lived all over the place. And I think there's something. You know, if you had a good childhood, you know, and, and you know, lots of people didn't. And, and I was probably like you, lucky that I had a really lovely childhood. It's the nicest thing sometimes when you go home and the smells and, the, you know, when you walk back in those areas and the feel and the people and the, it cracks me up. It's just happiness, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that's a lovely way to uh, put it because it is the it is the strange stuff, isn't it? it? Is the smells and the sounds and the um, just kind of I don't know being amongst those smaller communities and just strolling the streets. You know, I like to just kind of like just so, so I, around. So, and... so I worked, dude. I worked in the butchers in my local butchers from like the age of like forty, no, maybe younger. No, pr- actually, hundred percent younger. I think I was like. I would have been like 12, I think. And they called me Pepe because they thought I looked Italian, even though like <laughs> I completely don't look Italian. Um, <laughs> and so like these, all these proper devonshires, here Pepe, you know, go and get me some sausages. And like, I still walk in this day. I'm 36 years old now, like run it, I've run multiple businesses, trying to build a good empire. And it will still be like, all right, Pepe, you want to say? <laughs> like nothing changes. Oh, mate. That's lovely it. though, isn't it? Yeah, because, it, mm. you know, I think we all need that thing to kind of keep us grounded don't we and yeah regardless of what we do with our our life um modern life is fast it's fast paced it's really easy to get swept away and sometimes it's a it's a nice nice reminder that to some people you'll always be pepe right it's uh there's something really lovely about it. i know <laughs> yeah, exactly i just earmuffs on pepe's home right pepe's home but no it's cool they're just lovely people honestly that in itself is just good for the good for the head like you said good for mental health you know just like um I think the word is grounding, isn't it? You know, yeah. grounding, grounding, grounding. My partner, Jodie, you know, she's she used to be um, in the modeling business. She still does a bit now, but she used to be quite a, a big model back in the day. And um, she suffered from like severe anxiety, you know, severe anxiety. And actually she opened up, she opened up Alexander McQueen's, when he, um, where did he go? To Givenchy. So it was a big thing when like a British fashion designer would go to like one of the big fashion houses right yeah so i don't know if you know much about alex mcqueen but you know he went he was pretty dark designer like pretty like back in london um had some serious mental health kind of um issues you know and he went across to Givenchy, and jode's jody opened up the show she like opened up the catwalk for him and she had such a bag bad um anxiety attack she literally like walked off the runway and never flew got straight on a jet and flew home and never modeled again like it was that bad yeah and i think it's interesting like i've never ever suffered from anxiety ever and maybe that's a bit of like my training from being military special forces that kind of thing um yeah i mean anxiety wouldn't go down that well in a firefight but (laughs) you're anxious anyway but you learn to control it um but back in the day, she was told, get this, she was told to breathe into like a paper bag when she was having like a panic attack. I wow. mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, what, like what not to do? Like you're hyperventilating any, anyway. It was just like, um, yeah. So the advice back then, and no one knew about it, dude. You know, like she was, it's interesting talking about Jodes because it was the difference now of mental health awareness of what we know. And I think your listeners know and, Back then, they didn't really know what it was. I mean, mm. Jodie was like, she couldn't eat because she was so anxious. And then the media were picking, um, really targeting her because they're basically saying she's a horrendous role model. She's so skinny. And that made her more anxious. You imagine like back then in the, the press and you can't communicate like we, I think with social media now, it's definitely good and bad because you can, we can communicate, can't we? Yeah, you have a certain but, amount know, of control. Yeah, certain amount. I think it's probably worse. I'd argue it's probably worse now than not having than not having it. But I think when, you know, like in the 90s, you couldn't communicate. It was tabloids that could just crush it. And that was yeah. it. 
You know? Yeah, definitely. And there was no, like, at least with social media now as well, for all the bad accounts, there's also like really good accounts as well. Um, but I think yeah. back then, like whatever was in the papers was just the headline. There was nothing, there yeah. was nothing coming out and saying well maybe it's this maybe it's that there was no difference of opinion maybe now we've got too many opinions but back then yeah. in the 90s there was one opinion it was whatever that headline said and that's just kind of what everyone believed right whether it was true or yeah. not yeah dude i think the only way and like you know i haven't studied this to make this comment like you know it's not an overly academic comment but in my book <laughs> i tend to shoot from the hip a bit but in my gut the only way to really sort out the social media situation um, my mum was an uh, educational psychologist. She actually ran educational psychology um, in the UK. That was her final position before she retired. And she did it when WhatsApp first kind of came out. She kind of did a bit of a study on it, which was like one tick, two ticks, two blue ticks, online, offline. Like, I don't care who you are, right? Like me and you, some Jedi Knight, like Dalai Lama, Yoda, whoever. If someone's online and you're writing a message to them and then they go offline, it's a bit like, oh, <laughs> isn't it? It totally is. I don't care what you say. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it's like me walking away from you in a conversation, isn't it? So I think that that's really interesting. All that kind of psychology, all that all that works. But I think the only way to really, and the, the main issue, I, I think you'd agree, is with like teens and kids because that's the bit where the brain's so much more malleable and, and, and that's the dangerous area, is to think about what content they can consume. So it needs levels of like, just not, like films used to be almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Facebook Facebook will probably argue with, with my <laughs> very thought idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it certainly makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? And then uh, the, I, th- I suppose the tricky thing is, don't we all have to read from the same script? Because I've, you know, I've got small children and it's always quite a shock when my son, you know, like my son came home the other day and he asked me what Squid Game was, right? And he's five. And I said to him, where have you, where do you know what Squid Game is? And he said, oh, so-and-so was playing it in a playground. And I said, well, how does he know what it was? And he said, oh, his daddy watches it. I was like, at five, like each to their own with parenting, do you know what I mean? But Squid Game, man. Like, that's... No, dude, that's horrendous. That's yeah. horrendous. Mike would say, dude, we've got, I mean, I feel it. We've got a 10-year-old. He's, he's, he's just 10. Or, you know, he feels like, he, I feel like he's just 10. You know, he still feels like a little boy to me. He's not, not, he's not by no means a teenager, you know. He turned around to he turned around to my partner the other day, Jody, and went, "You're right, bruv." And he called her bruv, and I think Jody was just like, "What? <laughs> what did you just say to me?" And he went, "Bruv," and Jody had to, we had to explain, "You can't call people bruv, especially your family and your parents, especially your mum, <laughs> especially your mum." Yeah, you're like six foot two, quite well to do mother. It's not your bruv. Bruv. And I, but I found it quite funny. Um, yeah. But no, you did, you're right. It's like the stuff they consume and like different parents have different rules. So like, what can you control? I think it's, it's about being open, isn't it? And discussing the classic. It's the, it's the stuff that we know. It's the good practice stuff. Talk to them, sit down, you know, it's, and, and be open with them. Try, don't make them feel like they have to hide stuff, I think. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, isn't it, with parenting, with the, you know, the risk of turning this into, um, you know, two dads talking it is, yeah, it's that. <laughs> I, I saw, yeah. um, I saw something on Instagram the other day and it, you said, like, when my, is it, I can't remember what it was. It was like one of those quotes, you know, with all, I don't know, flowers around it or something, but it, it made a lot of sense. And it was something like, you know, when my kid's in trouble, 
I want them to think, I want them to ring and think like, where's my dad? He'll help me rather than I need to hide this from my dad, you know? And I think it's kind of, if you've got that relationship, then anything else can kind of like be all right, can't it? You know? And dude, it's also like, I think my, my mum was amazing. So I think it was like, I mean, she'll she'll probably like be like, I wish you didn't say this because it's probably actually quite illegal. Well, it is illegal, but also anyway, um, uh, we, I think I was like 14 and I was like, can we get some beer? beer? And it was like my birthday party, you know, that kind of age. And she bought like a monstrous bottle of white lightning, like monstrous. It was like, like 10 litres. Okay. And four of our mates got extremely excited with straws and got stuck in and that taught us a massive lesson I didn't drink for years. <laughs> There's an element of just like slightly rogue parenting. Anyway, not condoning giving your kids alcohol right obviously (laughs) yeah of course but it's the whole thing of like doing it under the roof safely right so what's the alternative you kind of like one of your mates shoplift it and you're out roaming the streets and uh you know it's um oh dude i mean like again like i think this pod should be very honest right are we i'm looking now honest pod um I, i was in oliver in year seven first year of primary first year of secondary school and i was in fagin's gang and I went back to my sister's older. So I'm the youngest boy. And then my older sister and then an older brother. My sister was like two years older in the kind of cool gang at school. A cool group of girls, the classic, right? That kind of cliche. And on the first night before the show, like the opening night, I went back to her and her friend's house and smoked a massive joint. And basically, I'm like 11 years old. And I basically, <laughs> I basically came back, put my costume on was sick in the toilet, was see-through, I was so white, and couldn't sing or remember any of my lines. I just, like, stood on the stage. Just <laughs> so, um, yeah, you're, you know, it's, uh, it's only upwards from there, mate. We're, we're yeah, that's it, man. Yeah, <laughs> Oliver Twisted, right? Oh, my God. Mate. So what, um, how, how, what age were you when you joined the military, Joe? How did that kind of come about? Se- 17. So, oh. I was, yeah, I was, doing the, I was doing my A-levels, and... I think like loads of people, I just didn't know what to do with my life, if that makes sense. I was really into photography. I always loved photography. Um, and looking through lenses, that will come a bit later with what I went into, it all kind of makes sense. Um, I was always fascinated by that. My dad was really, really ill though when I was in my teens. So he had something called Pick's disease, which is the most severe form of Alzheimer's. So he degraded, it's like super aggressive. So he was like mid forties, head of kind of arts funding in the UK. So he like would take government money and put it into theatres and films and music, like wicked job. Okay, so I was always getting dragged to like operas and being not overly happy as a young kid, but that it was actually looking back, it was wicked. Um, and uh, he he degraded really really quickly. Went into an institute when I was like sixteen, I think, and. Um, I never forget like mum saying you've got to go and say goodbye to him and it was brutal mate it was like really brutal it was like the cliche I mean pulled up outside and suddenly like going in to see your dad you know just I'm still young you're still young you're still a kid at that age aren't you you might think you know you know but you're still a kid and walking into this mental institute and that's what we'll call it for people to understand and seeing what you can imagine you would see with people walking around and it was just, it was hell, dude. And then to see your dad, like your kind of stole best mate, legend of a dad, just completely out of it. So that was horrendous. And I basically just ran out and couldn't handle it. 
and then um, and then he passed when I was 17. So we we put him in the ground when I was 17. And it just like, well, you can imagine, right? It just, I mean, have you got both your parents, Tom? Sorry, I, Tom I'm, so uh, yeah, got, I have. have yeah, yeah, parents? I'm lucky yeah, enough. Cool. Yeah. Um, and it, it just completely like obliterated my universe. Like I just did not know what to do. I was like, felt completely numb. It just felt weird. My brother was at uni at Durham. My sister was kind of around, but not, I was, I think I was the only one at home. It's funny, isn't it, dude? When you go through, when you go through trauma like that, the brain automatically protects itself by blocking everything. So I can't remember, honestly, like I've, but three years of that period, I can't really remember at all. Wow. Like, like memories every now and again. I think those memories are from when people have told me stories or I've seen photographs, that kind of thing. You can, you tend to do that, don't you? But yeah, complete, completely blocked it out. And then, um, so just wanted to get away from everyone. Like wanted to try and do something like really, basically just wanted to like hammer myself and get away from everyone. So just looked at what the hardest military to join was. I looked at joining as a fast jet pilot, but I couldn't add up the shit. So um, they laughed at me. Sorry, I ended up joining the Royal Marines, which is pretty cheeky. So that was it, signed up. Um, my granddad was in the military, but no one else was. We're quite, I would argue my family were quite kind of artsy, you know, in, in that kind of space. Um, so shaved my head, trained like a trained like a beast and yeah joined the marines and went down to limpston which was like literally in i don't know if you, um, you know but limpston's in ex like in exeter so right. basically i joined right down the road from me i mean you know i could get dropped i could literally see it from my house <laughs> <laughs> some of the some of the training dude some of the training was just horrendous i'd be like up on dartmoor and i would like be like yomping past yomping is what the marines call when you carry big packs right the gun and I could see like my village and I'm getting like hammered. I'm like, like, please, I'm so <laughs> close. Get me back. Um, but it was, it was cool. And it made, I was on such a mission, literally that um, it was tough. Of course it's tough. Like military training is tough, but I needed it. You know, I needed that in my life. I needed structure. I needed to not have to think if that makes sense. I needed just to be told you will do this. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And it was, and that was it. It was almost therapy for me. Yeah, sure. That makes so much sense. Cause it's like, I suppose with grief, particularly at a young age, like no one, no one tells people how to grieve or to how to find the way that you need to grieve. Right. Cause obviously it's different for everyone. It's just a case of, I suppose everyone's kind of like focused on letting people know, and then everyone's focused on the funeral. And then after that kind of yeah. for everyone else, life goes back to normal. But for you, life isn't normal and you've got to find a way to kind of like to cope or to get past it. Or do you, to, know, it, do you know what, dude? It's funny. Like when it first happens, this is a really weird analogy. But when it first happens and something like you lose someone. So I also lost my best, best mate in a plane crash, which was also brutal. You're in this kind of like, you know, when you land and you're really jet lagged. When you come into a place and you're super jet and you're knacking, you're floaty. I find grief like that for me, like the initial grief. You're kind of just like floaty and everything's just a bit weird, isn't it? Does that make sense? It's like yeah. you just float a bit. And that's kind of my, how I've always, always, always felt it. Um, do you get that? Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. Yeah, definitely. Like, I don't know, almost like 
reality's a little bit wobbly around the edges and you're not quite sure yeah. what's, what's real and what's not and you know can't trust your thoughts and yeah that sort of that sort of stuff and mate do you know what dude like wakes and also i'm not going to say i love awake because that sounds weird but they're beautiful things funerals can be beautiful like i've had some amazing funerals you know and it's the nicest thing isn't it when you see I think when you see the genuine love and care and emotion when someone isn't here now and you can tell people can talk about them and, and, and let them know what they felt. Um, yeah, I just think they're beautiful. They're in, in, and again, that sounds really weird, but I think that they can be beautiful things. Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, we spend most, and we'll probably talk about this quite a lot, but we spend most of our lives, you know, pretending that things are okay and pretending, you know, we're tough and not expressing ourselves. But it, sometimes it takes something like a funeral for people, like a collective vulnerability, right? So we get all these people yeah. that might not day to day express their emotions or say that they're sad or let themselves cry or whatever it is and then suddenly you've got a room full of people that some will be strangers to each other right just connected by this one person that isn't there anymore and then to have this massive show of vulnerability and all sort of come together there's something really human about that i think yeah there is dude there is and it's like it's it's so much more powerful i think like a true emotion than weddings everyone loves a wedding everyone loves knee sliding and and going nuts around the dance floor everyone loves that um but and, and, the, and the drunken uncle or the bad speech but there's something so beautifully honest about a funeral isn't there there's something so like nothing is is so pure yeah um and dude i was i was rock solid through my dad's um i say rock, i say rock solid such like a military thing i didn't cry i was rock solid but i didn't i didn't cry through the whole thing until literally like he was in the ground and everyone walked away and my mum's friend, Val, um, just put a hand on my shoulder and said, are you all right? And I just literally, just like years of emotion just went, and I just exploded, you know? Um, but that was, dude, that was the driving force. That was why it's really interesting. Like dad dying when I was that young is the only reason I've taken my journey, if that makes sense. It, yeah. it is, it's the catalyst for what I've done. Yeah, definitely. And then as you sort of progress through the military, it seemed like it was a case of like, where's the next challenge? How can I make this harder? You know, like it seems to be yeah. one, every, with uh, yeah. every accomplishment constantly into the next hard thing, right? Yeah, I mean, so I went to went straight to Iraq as a sniper, came back, did Bajor in Baghdad. And um, and I just can't, like you said, I wanted to push myself. So I put my, um, I put my name in to go on special forces selection. And I was told I was far too young by everyone. My sergeant major was like, I'll see you in a week, you'll fail. And I was just like, screw you. I'll see you in seven months with a beard when I'm dressed up like a local. Um, and uh, and that was it. Went on selection at 19, passed at 20, and then did back-to-back -to -back tours of Afghan um, in UK Special Forces, uh, doing everything you kind of imagine. I can't talk about X amount of it, but things like hostage rescues and flying around the back of helicopters and Afghanistan is it's a beautifully dangerous place like it's it's the Himalayas right the mountains are insane like apps and the people are beautiful right but it's just been god I mean look what's happened recently there it's carnage yeah. absolute carnage mad isn't it you know and um yeah we lost a few guys out there one of my one of my friends um, an amazing guy is 
possibly the most injured soldier in the armed forces. He got shot through the neck in front of me in a doorway and now he's fully paraplegic. So it took his actual, it blew his spinal cord out and he, wow. and he, and he survived. So we dragged him back and patched him up and, um, and bloody hell mate, talk about mental resilience. Like he's, you know, he's freaking strong, put it that way. You know? Yeah. you know, he's got a full team, breathes, breathes here for a machine and he's in a wheelchair and, um, you know, me and you or people, everyone they have the right to wake up and have a bad day and have a good old whinge and event. But like when you meet people like him, it, talking about levelers and grounding, like you won't get a better one, put it that way. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible, really. I often think, you know, with some people's stories, you kind of, if you were to say to them beforehand that this is going to happen to you, then they'd say, oh, I can't do that. I can't get through it. Yeah. And then then people do <laughs> they just get through yeah. these, these these things that you know that you can't even make up you know it's um they yeah. they do they do and it's and and, and <laughs> to quote ronan keaton life's a roller coaster but um but it is it you up you up and down i did it i actually said that you go up you go up and down you do of course you go up and down like you know i'm a massive believer in the sweet isn't sweet without the sour like you need the shit days to, to have the good days you know and anyone that's said is. I mean, there's a dude. There's a lot of people, isn't there, in in the kind of let's call it the yogi uh, self love space that just portray this. They are zen and happy the whole time. Like, please, dude, tell me when you're slightly hungover and pissed off or something's not going right. Please, just tell me that because it will make me feel better. That will make me feel more better than your quotes that you're constantly telling me about how good life is. Please, just once, tell me you're having a shocker. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's kind of. But yeah, I don't know, dude, it's um, the kind of the SF man. Uh, I learned a lot in Marines, but Special Forces, I think. It's uh, it's really kind of, it, it's basically like who dares wins. It's that kind of mentality. You just have to go for it. Like you, there is no better way to try anything, probably like you with your pod series. You just need to do it. Just, just do it. It's literally that simple, isn't it? But it is, isn't it? It's just do it. Well, yeah. No, I'm worried. Well, just, no, just don't, just do it. <laughs> it all sorts yeah. itself out. Makes me laugh. Oh, mate. And I suppose we talk about like, um, you know, masculinity and, um, you know, not feeling our feelings and the conversation around, particularly with men and mental health. But that environment must be the ultimate masculine environment and I you know you're in a war zone I'm assuming you're not like sitting around in between you know I don't know missiles dropping on you and talking about your feelings you know that's, that's... no you're not no you're, you're not you're definitely not I mean the military is built on humor right so it's basically like ripping the hell out of each other it's kind of like and you know each other so well and of course if someone's in a really bad way just like the way I say really bad way. Like they're in a bad way, that's you just leave them. No, <laughs> yeah, if they're in a bad way, one that. second. Give, yeah. give me one sec. Exactly. But um it's it's um yeah, you just you just it's just built on humor. And I think that kind of you know, and it's actually slightly different because I suppose it's like you know, elite sport. Like the difference, I suppose the difference is of just like the way that we would sit down and, and take the mick out of each other. And the difference is between that and I suppose every day is that I'm going through a doorway and it's black and I'm on night vision and I, I can't see anything. And I know the three guys behind me will jump on a grenade for me. I know they've got my back, like literally life or death. 
right? And maybe that's a slight different thing to everyday life, maybe, you know? Um, but it's, it's, it's got better. You know, when I was, I think the mental, uh, mental health awareness has accelerated so much, isn't it? In a good way, as in mm. like the awareness is great. Um, when I was serving, I, it was never talked about. I mean, even, even PTSD, I, did, I don't think it was really talked about then. You know, we, um, <laughs> and I think, and I know it's got better in terms of the, the support for the guys, but if a job went good, or bad the the our therapy was to open up a free bar and just get absolutely tanked over an afghan that was our kind of whereas the americans have always always taken psychology a bit well they've always been a few gems ahead of us right maybe it's a cultural thing therapy thing over in america but they would all have to see the the, the psych or the shrink as they called it um whereas we would just have heineken to talk to that was our kind of thing and i think but i know it's got better I know, I absolutely know it's different now. Yeah, I suppose, like you say, as the conversation becomes more prominent, these things evolve, don't they? And they change and, um, yeah, yeah. Ways, of, ways into looking at things, yeah, change as the times as the times do, yeah. So what... what um... but, 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 but just back to masky, like, you know, the kind of, like, the um, the male thing, I, I, I think it's getting better, but I don't know... But being completely honest, okay, like this is how I feel as an ex-SF operator. Um, I'm proud that I'm kind of like talking about it and, and other people, enabling other people to open up. But like, it's never, I think some, th some people think it's going to become almost like, like, I, 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 I don't know if it's ever going to be completely normal to say like you've got PTSD, like completely normal, or you're suffering from severe anxiety, the awareness is there. Um, but I think it's so weird, isn't it? When you can't see something, if someone's got a knee injury, it's like a tangible thing, right? But if someone's saying they're having head wobbles, like we all have and will have, and, and, um, and yeah, and we'll definitely have at some point, because it's intangible, you can't see it, can you? So it's like, it's, it's a lot more complex. That's my point than like yeah. physical. Yeah, definitely. I always think as well, you kind of like when you, um, you know, we, people like us, we were people like us, that's a strange saying, but we will sit here and we'll have these open conversations, right? Cause we're used to having them and you kind of forget, like I talk about this stuff all day long. I forget that there's people that can't. I forget that at one point I was one of those people that can't, you know, so it is yeah. really easy to kind of fit the conversation changing. We're all talking about mental health, but it's like this big echo chamber where all the people yeah. talking about mental health are talking to each other and all the people who maybe need to be part of that conversation have like not even a reluctance to it. No idea it's going on. Cause that was me. Yeah. You know, I was, I was poorly. I was really struggling with my mental health. I was planning to take my own life. And if you'd have said to me, um, you know, like, oh, do you think it could be depression? I would have said depression. That's how lazy people get off work. You know, even yeah, 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 when yeah, I was yeah. like suffering with it, I was in complete denial that it even existed because I didn't know what it was. You know, I'd only ever seen yeah. any standards. And, and, and of course we have to label things. Like we, everything has to have a label. Otherwise, like that at some point, right? Because you have to know what something is, but it's so complex, isn't it? Like the brain, we are so complex. So, you know, I, I, I think I'd be like a cocktail of things. You know, I had I had issues with like addiction, I had issues with food, I had addictions with like um 
feeling low, but never like couldn't get out of bed feeling low, but just feeling like hollow and not myself. So, um, yeah, I think I think people just need to understand that. And it's and it's not about late. It's not necessarily about going. I've got X. It's about seeking help and just working your way through what you're doing. You yeah. know, my, my, my business partner, my business partner in Halen, he's ex-CIA. Um, and, uh, you know, they would come off the back of jobs and always have to go and see a psych. And he's really into his, um, really into his pro sports. You know, he's an amazing golfer. And he always gives the great analogy of these top athletes, even someone like Hamilton, like, you know, F1 Hamilton, not the stage show. Um, when he, you know, when he comes off a bad race or even a good race, you know, he'll have his psych there. He'll be speaking to a psychologist. And it, people think it's just like performance psychology. No, if Hamilton's having a bad day, he'll probably talk about other things in his life. Does that make sense? It's of like, course, yeah. I think people think if he's, I think people think it's like, you only go and see a therapist or a coach if you're having an issue. It's like, no, they're just there for you to help guide you on stuff. It's wicked. Yeah, definitely. And it's not about like, um, you know, putting these things, like you say, in little compartments and boxes. So like if Lewis Hamilton has got something going on in the background of, of his life, of course, it's going to affect how he drives that car. You know, it might not be like a really, really obvious thing, but, you know, we can't have us... I was having this conversation with a guy called Andy Chambers recently, and he was he does a lot of work in with mental health in workplaces. And he's saying we can't put this thing in boxes where you're at home, you're at one thing, and then you go to work, you're another thing, and then you're a racing driver, and you're the, like the human experience is everything that all the hats that you have to wear, you know, or whether it's in family, in business, in parenting, yeah. But they're all this, it's all the same thing, right? It's all still you in the middle of it. It's all still me in the middle of it. And we try and keep these things so, so separate, but that's not the case at all. Right. It's interesting, isn't it? Like whether you're, whether you're bored in work and your life feels a bit empty and you're not quite happy and you feel just really static and you know you're getting a bus into work and bus back and it's like your brain will be in a certain negative place because of that if you're the opposite side and it's hectic and you're raising capital and you're running a startup i'm very I'm talking about myself here obviously <laughs> you're you also it's also very stressful. So you have these, like, my point is the spectrum. There's issues all over that spectrum, wherever your life is, whatever you're doing. And I think, like, people just need to know that. People need to know that these some of these people they follow on Instagram that look like they have these amazing lives. Like, behind the doors, dude, they're, 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 they'll all be having huge issues. Well, not yeah. huge, but they'll all be having issues, relatively yeah. issues. Yeah. No, that's it. So, um, so, so true, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. So I think people, like, um, just hearing that, bit of your story then joe people are going to assume that this is going to be like a, a military related uh, mental health conversation but like from a mental point of view you kind of you got out of there relatively unscathed is that, <laughs> yeah. is that fair to annoyingly uh, annoyingly and annoyingly and ironically i wish i and i shouldn't say that but i will because it's uh, i should have ptsd but i haven't i kind of got all the other things but without the actual more worry one which i could kind of like it would make sense i could get my tattoos out and say I've got PTSD, but I haven't. Not yet, anyway. I mean, it can you can relapse, right? But no, I, I. It's another interesting thing is my experience of people that have suffered and will suffer with it. They tend to be, they tend to have been in those environments, those war environments, when things weren't stable in their lives. So if home life was unstable, and your brain is more vulnerable, 
and you're fighting and door kicking in Afghanistan and shooting people and getting blown up, it's so much more traumatic for your brain. Whereas I was like solid, my loving family, really good home life. Um, I suppose like coming from Devon, it was a bit like little Hobbit leaving the Shire. So I always look back and it always felt very, very, very nice and very friendly, you know? Um, so I, 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 you know, I had a good time. So I've never, I've never had that issue, but the issue started when I, I left and bodyguarded for an American, very um, wealthy chap for a year and traveled with him and his family and then joined the city. He made a lot of his money on Wall Street. So I was like, right, I'm going to become, I want to make loads of money. That was my logic. I want to be a billionaire. The worst thing ever like that should not be the driver. Like that could be an end state, but don't use that as your driver, especially if you're not overly good at maths. And, um, and so I took my training exams, took my FSA exams, and knocked on the door of all the banks. And, if you, and I don't know if your listeners know, but there's some big, you get like big tier one banks, Goldman Sachs, investment banks, Credit Suisse, all the biggies, UBS. And you tend to have to have done the economics degrees and gone to LSE and MBAs and that kind of stuff. And there's this like six foot three tattooed gorilla-esque ex-sniper knocking on their door being like, can I have a go trading? They all told me to bugger off our Citibank and Citibank were like, well, they were kind of like, let's lay the gauntlet for you. They were like, we kind of like your style. If you pass the graduate scheme, we'll let you in. So I first day sat in the sat in the classroom with, with all these, um, they look like kids to me. You know, don't forget, I've been like, what I've been doing for the last few years. Yeah, you know, like yeah. Literally, dude, like half deaf, battle scarred, like still like washing blood off my hands. Um, and uh, there were these kids and they were like, right, all, all studied economics and we we're talking about things like bonds and i was thinking they're talking about super glue i was like what the hell's a bond i don't know what they're talking about and um bloody hell mate like that was hardcore like that was like for my learning curve there and i like worked my ass off you know just like st- like non-stop studying they kind of looked some of the, the smarter um what should we call them postgrads people friends helped me get through that a bit they help you know they, they, put, they put the time in they probably felt sorry for me um but that's and then i ended up trading equities on the on the on the floor at european equities for two years in canary wharf and going from what i had done you know like jumping out of whack of planes you know at like twenty six thousand feet oxygen diving you know doing night dives Oil, oil rig drills, hostage rescues in Afghanistan, Sierra Leone sniping, to suddenly getting up at half four, getting the 4.15 night bus from Battersea to Sloan Square, getting on the first tube straight, and for anyone that doesn't live in London, you can basically get the tube directly into Canary Wharf where the banks are, so you don't even have to see okay. the sunlight. You go straight in an, like an elevator into the bank, so you don't see the sun. Right. So go and then, yeah, mate, it's carnage. You're like gophers. You're like really tired, ill-looking gophers. And um, I, so I, I did that, and and then I was out most nights with with clients, you know, entertaining, drinking too much, not looking after myself, not eating properly because I was out a lot. I would, and I was drinking. I was like calorie conscious, so I'd rather consume calories in wine and beer than than eat big food or if I was going to eat I'd have like a chicken Caesar and then go and run like a 12 miler just like completely stupid right it's completely stupid and I just monumentally burnt out I just crashed like I literally crashed I mean I suppose it wasn't like 
it wasn't like a moment when I went bang and crashed, but I just suddenly very quickly over the course of I don't know, three months became just not me. And I was just a zombie and I just felt hollow and I wasn't sleeping. And I think that the, the moment I was aware of it, I was totally aware of it, but I think I was at a wedding and my brother or my brother's friend came up to me and they were like, are you all right, dude? And I was like, why? You know, why? Why are you asking that? They're like, you just lost, you've lost, you lost the spark in your eye like you just don't see yourself and I was just like wow other people are picking it up and I don't know if you've ever felt like this but you know when you sat in a room and you just don't feel like you should be there and I I remember that period of my life I'd be sat there like at dinners and things and I was just like I was not in the room it was really weird does that make sense yeah, very much so. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, and kind of, I don't know, do, I don't know, you get a drink and then afterwards you kind of, did I have a drink or am I still thirsty? Like everything's just like a little bit, uh, yeah, not quite making sense. Yeah, you just and... not, you just, you just feel awkward. You just feel awkward and not quite in the room. And so that was it. So I went, I went and seeked help, went to, didn't tell anyone because I was embarrassed about it. You know, and I, I think like back to your point about the kind of, military xsf thing you know we have such a strong brand of what we used to do or do do that makes sense that it makes it even harder i'd argue to actually reach out so i didn't tell anyone went to went to the only street i knew literally walked to harley street in london where i knew there were like doctor surgeries and just walked along and found like a therapist like a doctor and just knocked on the door and walked in and um like it was brilliant but totally couldn't afford it like i was just like you know you're so desperate you suddenly i was i'll pay fine i'll pay yeah just fix me bloody hell yeah exactly didn't eat for the next month which didn't help my situation (laughs) exactly didn't help at all um but walked out but just obviously couldn't afford that at that point in my life and just didn't feel right i then went online and and this was uh god this was 12 years ago and tried a big US uh, online therapy company and downloaded, it was an app, downloaded the app and it just felt super like clinical. It was just like, tick a box if you're, it was like an intranet. It was like an old school, tick a box if you're depressed. Like this is genuinely making me depressed. Stop asking me these questions, I'm getting worse. <laughs> Have you got an eating disorder? I don't want to eat now. Um, are you feeling anxious? Yes, I'm feeling anxious. Um, but anyway, went through the process and, and um connected with this US therapist and she was in like Dallas and did the video call and the lighting was bad where she was and there was like a bucking bronco behind her and I was like this is absolutely spinning me out like I genuinely don't know right now what to do <laughs> you imagine it's actually quite funny so like literally I mean she was lovely but just culturally different lighting expectation and all that kind of stuff so just shut the Mac and and cracked on with life if that makes sense like we that's a very easy thing to do but I think I, I I was speaking to people about it then I was, like my brother's like my best mate so I was talking to my brother about it so I kind of I had lots of loving people around so I kind of almost self-healed with those people and and actually I think sorry the biggest thing that helped was changing career like that lifestyle working as a trader in London was just killing me, like literally killing me. So I didn't know what to do. I wanted to kind of get away. <laughs> I always wanted to get away, right? Always running. Um, I flew to Dubai. A friend of mine um, owned a really big branding, like like how had to brand companies and products. And I found that kind of psychology really interesting and went and worked 
with him, kind of not with the intention of necessarily like working definitely for him, but just wanted to go out and get some sun and, and see what it was about. And I just found it fascinating, like branding different products. Like I think water's water, but how many new water companies do we see come out? remember Voss when Voss came out I mean yeah yeah just dude it's it, like literally they can say it's from some like iceberg in like North Atlantic but it is just water I promise you <laughs> <laughs> and um and like so Voss branded very scientifically very test tubey you think about it and then you've got all these different Fiji is it Fiji with like the the uh, Fuji Fiji right One and um I found that fascinating. I found positioning really interesting. I can listen to products. And that was it. I then spent the next six years branding, working in Middle East, the bits in Saudi Arabia, and then moved to Hong Kong and set up the agency there and then built a team there and was working a lot in Hong Kong and China, uh, which was also super interesting. Um, and then moved to Sydney, did a lot of branding work, different projects in, in Sydney and living on Bondi, going from early morning runs, which was wicked. Oh, mate, yeah. Is it something that one of my favourite sayings, and I don't know who, who said it, but um, you can't heal in the same environment that made you sick. And I'd really yeah, thought of that, uh, that there, you know, and like, I think that's common with so many people when they're struggling with their mental health, but then still going back into the same thing, whether it's a, a job, a relationship, uh, you know, we just keep repeating these same, same patterns, but it's those patterns that are having the effect. And, you know, like it sounds like... Um, like swapping that out and then also finding something that you're super passionate about, you know, because that's another thing we do, right? We have yeah. these jobs that jobs that don't set our souls on fire going through this like drudgery, self-created drudgery of, of life, you know, and then, but if you can do something that kind of like lights you up on a day-to-day -day basis, it's much easier to look after all the other stuff that keeps you, you know, part of being mentally well, basically. Yeah. And I think that's a huge amount of things that like lockdown did, didn't it? it made everyone reassess huge amount if you look at the amount of people that quit their jobs and like restarted new things like through this pandemic it's been amazing for that in that sense it's made everyone reevaluate. um but no you're so right i mean you know if, if people like again like lockdown and and they go to the same gym every day and they see the same faces it's so important to go and let your eyes breathe. You need new in stimulus. You need new insight. You know, it's it's you need that in your life. Your brain needs it. So, well, a mind does anyway. Yeah, so certain people like more of a microcosm, don't they? Like they're kind of nest almost. But yeah, to me, it was wicked and traveling and and meeting different people through work and flying all over the place. Um, I loved it. And then moved back to London and had spent the last kind of well, let's call it like a decade, really, looking at different companies. And and I always wanted to try and take my own product to market, like something, something that I truly believed in, something I wanted to do differently. And that was the origins of, of Halen. I look back at the, the mental health space and look back at these companies. They hadn't really innovated. They'd innovated a bit with like the tech, but not the positioning. It was all still very soft and quite samey. And they all kind of feel the same. And I wanted to make something that was more me, my DNA, a bit more alpha, a bit more add in the warrior thing, right? I'm a big believer in that you don't have to be broken to speak to someone. It's about resilience. It's about just like you go to the gym, you know, speak to your therapist or your coach, do exactly the same, a PT for your mind. Um, and that was the, yeah, that was where Halen was born. Yeah. I love that, that, you know, PT for your mind. That's a brilliant way of, um, a brilliant way of putting it. And I always think that I only went to therapy because I got sick, but now 
kind of like, you know, getting out the other side of that because of all the work I did, I'm now better at all the things I need to be good at. I'm a better husband. Yeah. I'm a better dad. My, my business is better because of the work that, so I started therapy for one thing, but it's actually unlocked all this other stuff. And it's just that journey of um, just, yeah, just learning about yourself and changing things and, and that sort of stuff. And you describing your experiences with therapy there, I can completely see where your idea from Halen came from because of like what it does yeah. and, and how it works and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fascinating. Dude, it's a busy, you know, it's a busy space and uh, Halen's old English for hero. So someone that like fights and conquers adversity. And, and, you know, we've, we've got about, uh, 20 therapists and coaches, some performance psychologists. We, what we wanted to do was create a kind of holistic offering of different therapist coaches. So you can go on, you download the app, you select things you want to work on, not necessarily what you're suffering with, like you want to work on your confidence or things like that. And me and you know, you might think you need to speak to someone for X, but you actually need to speak to them for Y. Like it's like everyone, you know, it's like you don't quite know what's going on in the head. You might think you do, but you don't. Um, so yeah, that was it. And, and we launched a year ago. We've had over 2000, um, 2000 sessions um real 50 50 mix agenda which has been amazing actually like we branded it i purposely branded it quite alpha now of course i don't mean masculine i mean like alpha male alpha female like, like goes across the board doesn't it yeah sure um so i kind of like it's been a good thing it's basically like that, like the traditional split you obviously know this but the traditional split is much higher female women go to speak get help so for us to get like a 50 close-ish to 50 50 split of guys and girls like i'm super stoked for that like really happy um and the feedback's amazing and the pros are great and they yeah we call them halen pros they're not therapists so you can have your pro session yeah and then you know i speak to someone friday afternoon it's my kind of like friday vent and I can just like go through the week, go what's coming up. And I love it. You know, it's 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 the coolest thing in the world to speak to someone. Well, you know this, but to speak to someone that is completely impartial, non-judgmental. Yeah. You can you can just say whatever you want and they won't judge you. And then no. that is a that's an incredible thing. Yeah, definitely. Quite often you don't really know some of the things that like I come out with when I'm in that space. I don't even know what I was thinking of. And like, as the words are leaving my mouth, I'm going like, oh, that's a bit fucking interesting. Now I, you know, now I can go, when I go home, <laughs> yeah, I can kind yeah. of think about that yeah. a bit more, you know, it just kind of comes out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really funny. Yeah. It's funny. And I'm also like the most, most unstructured person. So like my, my pro, they just laugh because like one minute I'm there, the next minute I'm talking about this, next minute I'm talking about this. But, but that's, that's cool. Just let your brain go, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and my, the ambition with this, you know, we've kept the product really simple initially i think there's this someone told me once there's this like simpsons episode where homer tries to like build a new car and he launches it and it's got like everything on it it's got like all this stuff and it basically just completely fails it doesn't work um and i think that's very true with companies i think too many people try and do too much with the especially with apps they try and create all these sleep stories and you know, pre-recorded content and things like that and i think what we wanted to do was focus just on the brand and the strategy and the positioning, you know, if that makes sense. So yeah. you simply get people using the app, booking sessions, and, and that's it. And then listen to our 
customers, listen to our users to then work with them to figure like what's next. So that's the next chapter of the company now. So this this year is all um, growth and innovation. Like what's the next tech play? What we're going to do? Yeah, yeah, that's really um really exciting. I suppose when people when they they want help with stuff that's going on in their head for whatever reason, it can't be too complicated. You know, I know when I look at things, if there's too much to think about, I go, well, the whole reason I'm looking for this is because I've got too much to think about. Don't fucking give me any more. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like yeah, let's, let's keep and it, it nice dude, and... It's, and it's just and it's so busy, isn't it? Like there's so much out there right now for advice and help and things, especially especially I think in the app space. Um, we just wanted to stand and really stand for the importance of human interaction like this, like seeing someone and listening to them and talking to them. Whereas I think um, lots of the extremely larger, well-funded kind of mental health um, apps, they really just, it's its completely revenue for them. Like they are focused on just mass, as mass as possible. Mm. So we're kind of approaching it from the other end, if that makes sense, really focusing on the one-on-one. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've had a little play, Joe, you know, in like the build up to our conversation, I downloaded the app and yeah. I have a play and there was a few things that really, really stood out for me that um, particularly at the moment, I've been um, looking to work with a different therapist and I've just been kind of like looking online. I've been with the same therapist for about three years now and I just want to change, you know, I just want to just explore some different stuff with a different person. And um, and I was, one thing that I've found through looking through is one, you kind of like get bombarded. There's so many people out there but when you're making your decision about who to work with, there's, it's tricky because you can't help um, trying to think of the best way to say it. So what I loved about the app, right, is that when you 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 choose what you want and then and I'm obviously I'm telling you about your own app here. I feel like a bit of a dick, but it's for people listening. Right. So you choose what you want and then it brings up the list of the Halen pros. And what I really liked about it is you can see them and then you can go watch a video of them talking. And what I found from like scrolling through Google is that, you know, you're going on a therapist's website and they haven't got like, haven't got a picture of them, you know? And I ordered there's like a really, it's a selfie with filters. And I think, how am I going to come to your, your space and like bear my soul? And you can't even put a picture of yourself up, you know, like I, I need a bit more when I'm making the decision and just being to have, have the videos of the people talking, I thought was really, really, really good. And having the next appointment dates as well. It's just right there yeah. in front of you, right? That, that, that was an fantastic it's, it's, idea. It's really cool. You, it's really cool you say that, mate, because... I was like you as a person that went through the process myself. I was completely aware of that. I was scrolling through these like directories with like pixelated images at best of some, some people, some therapists or coaches or coaches will invest in themselves. That's fine. You can see a bit more of them, but I wanted like the way people talk and people's different people's energy is so important. You know, some people have high energy and you can only get that from listening to people or watching them. So that was a huge that was, I would, I would argue, the may, major kind of point of the app when we first got it to market was that people can scroll through that kind of, I say Tinder, but you're not going to date these people, that kind of feel of scrolling through different videos. Um, and, um, and what we've seen that's actually happened because of that, because people have warmed up to them before they've even met them, the actual, the actual um, I say conversion rate, but it sounds very businessy, but when people have their first intro, I think 90% of people then go on to book multiple sessions with that pro, right, with that yeah. coach, with that therapist, right? And I, I'm adamant that's because, back to your point, they've warmed up to them straight away. They, they feel them a bit before they even speak to them, yeah. you know? 
Indeed, it's also quite a, like back to the energy thing. It's also, it's also from my personal experience, it's quite a nerve wracking thing that first call. If you haven't even seen or heard them, yeah. you're a bit like, what's going to happen? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, did, I got so. like a bucking bronco in Texas behind <laughs> my one, so I absolutely shit myself. But um, no, it's yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I've spoke to a lot of um, a lot of therapists, a lot of professionals who use some very unusual techniques. I've never had anyone whack their clients on a bucking bronco before. I'm got I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I need to track her down and see if I can get her on because that just sounds. <laughs> no, I wasn't incredible. on it. She had a picture of it. It was yeah. very, very bizarre. Oh right, a picture. Know, it was a picture of a Bronco. Oh, yeah, I thought she had like an actual. An no, actual oh my God, I, dude, I would, I would have been totally in for that. I would have loved that. <laughs> I would have been right in there. But um, yeah, it's it's wicked. You know, we've launched in the UK. Um, we outdid Peloton in downloads, like when we launched, which was ridiculous. I never saw that coming. Um, and we've got like, you know, our primary primary focus is the UK, but we've got I've got a, a lady in, in Japan, in Tokyo, using it. I've got someone in Amsterdam. So it's like, it's the best feeling in the world, waking up when it's not bloody raining, although the blue skies are here now, um, waking up in the morning, knowing that you're genuinely enabling other people to help themselves, right? It's not like I'm helping them. I'm not going to be that kind of evangelical and Jesus-y, if that's a word. Jesus-y, there you go. Let's coin that. Um, but... Um, but it's but it's a cool thing enabling others to help themselves and 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 that's what we're doing it's wicked yeah yeah i love that yeah just helping people to to make that step and i think well you know we all know about for therapy you know we hear about the waiting times and all the rest of it and making the decision to go private it's a really big big decision you know it's a really it's not an easy one and something else i really liked about it is that on when you um look into each one of the pros there's like next available appointment it tells you right there yeah. if you, if you want to get started you can just get started and you know there's so much we lose so much in like procrastination because we we make decisions right i'm going to commit to myself i'm going to do this i'm going to use my savings my credit card or this little stash or whatever i'm going to do it and then you kind of get to this point and you're like well I don't quite know how I don't know enough about them. There's, there's so many hurdles. And yeah, I really loved that. I thought, Oh, I'm chatting to Joe. I'm going to have a look at it. I clicked on, I downloaded it. It was there and you can just bump. You can just go. There's no faff. And I think that's really important because there's no hurdles in the way that add yeah, to the procrastination. Ease. Yeah. Yeah. The ease of it. Exactly. I mean, when I, when I use it, although I, I'm driving less now because I'm working from home or in this little home office that we built, but um, I would, like it's all obviously app based so you can do it from your phone that's how you, how you do the calls and i would pull in before i got home on like this kind of beautiful little side lane bit and that's where i do my calls in my car and it was like my little safe zone and i would finish my friday call there so i think you can find really beautiful environments to have these sessions as well which is kind of cool and i actually yeah. actively encourage people to do that as long as your bandwidth's okay and you're not and the classic signal's not dropping yeah and the pros are the pros are amazing people. You know, most of them, if not all of them, have their own private practices or they work with, you know, bigger corporates in London. You know, they're, they're, they're all high flyers, but they work with Halen and they're part of the Halen team because they get to work with people they wouldn't normally work with. They get to work with people that wouldn't conventionally go to therapy. And, and, and that's, that's what I love about Halen, that we're, we're getting people... Me and my business partner always always laugh about this, and this sounds bad, but we mean it in we truly mean it in a good way, Tom. I promise you, it's almost like tricking people to talk about themselves. It's, does that make sense? It's yeah, like, completely. It sounds, yeah. I sound like such an asshole. Like we're tricking our users to talk, but 
but it's true. Like, it's like, it, I'd be a classic example. You know, I, I, I see the way the branding is. It looks like more aspirational and slicker. And I go in to talk about X, but I ended up, I end up talking about Y. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, I like that. It's, you know, that's, that's how we break out of the eco chamber, right? That's how, rather than all of us who know about therapy, talking about therapy, there has to be an element of like, you know, a bit of Trojan horse sort of stuff going yeah. on about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. And in the mental health conversation as well, there needs to be something for everyone. And, and I think like traditionally there's been like one route and now what we're seeing is whether it's like, you know, um, guys who go on dog walks or whether it's people who access therapy via an app or whether it's people who, you know, do things in person, different groups, different societies, different, like the more options that are available to people, then the more likely the people who need the thing that they need are going to be able to find that, you know? And I think, you know, it's, in, it's Go on, sorry. No, you no, go. sorry. There's a little little lag there. I think we missed each other. Go for it, mate. Um, uh, and I think, again, a slightly cliche thing that everyone needs to really, and I absolutely believe in, it's very easy to not set yourself goals, even like, 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 like take it like a physical goal. Like I'm a massive advocate of the importance of just getting out there, even if it's a walk. And I know everyone knows this and everyone talks about it, but like tr I truly, well, I do it, right? That's, I, I exercise every day. And you can pre-walk or jog or run or gym session feel a bit crap. You can feel a bit pissed off. Things might be, you know, and, and if you and if you if you hit it, you end up feeling great. And I think setting a goal, like setting a goal to go and do something, whether it's entering a race or a 10K or even a marathon or a half marathon, is so important. And I think uh, have you have you got your name down for anything? I'm going to literally make you do it now, aren't I? What have you got your name down for now? <laughs> you know what? I, I haven't. I'm, back, I'm looking for something. I did a half marathon last year. I decided I was going to be a runner and I kind of like worked towards that over the summer and, and did that in October. And I know what you mean. Like it's easy to become a bit, you know, a bit floaty, isn't it? And like, you know, not quite committing to something. And that I did, I did that with physical stuff, right? I know I had a very good running coach and I know if I get a coach physically, you can do anything if you have someone helping you to do it. But it was more the mental side of it. You know, it was more for me as a, an anxious person. It was turning up on, on race day when there's like massive crowds and telling people that I was going to um, do something because I struggle with self-esteem. Self and, you know, there was all these other mental yeah. aspects that was around doing it. And it, you know, the run was just a byproduct, man. I didn't particularly enjoy it from being honest, the physical side of it. But the, <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate. I mean, very little people do if I'm honest like there's a few psychopaths that like when you're really hammering yourself do enjoy it but I mean I think I hit it quite hard and I'm not enjoying it when I'm in it <laughs> Just that way yeah yeah but no it's a really good point having a goal having something to work towards and um you know it doesn't even have to be a big thing right it can be a small thing it can be, it can like... be it, yeah it can be tiny mate it can be it can be it can be really small I think I think it should be something that I say it, it should be relative. It should definitely be, it shouldn't be easy for you because I feel like the importance of going through the mill, as I would say, like re, like being slightly tested, like again, relatively is so important Yeah. because that's how you get, that's how you get the endorphin release. That's how you get the, the, the you know, the days afterwards feeling epic. But I think it's, it's too easy not to spend the time looking for something. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot this afternoon spend a few hours and look at what you're going to do next you have to tell me mate yeah i'll send you a message you know I'll send you a message on instagram you yeah look at something to do that's it um 
and I'm yeah I'm thinking of doing something gnarly but I haven't quite I'm, I'm not I'm not going to announce it until I've done my like due diligence on whether I actually think it's doable and I don't just kill myself but we'll, I'll let you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh mate that's awesome um thank you for this morning mate i've enjoyed so much it's been um yeah it's been awesome hearing about your your journey and uh, yeah i appreciate your honesty and i appreciate you and um yeah it was a lovely conversation mate thank you very much for coming on pleasure mate thanks for having me on cheers tom cheers mate. thanks mate bye 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 proper mental podcast please like and subscribe the space time